Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We are a blended family. 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 And we are a blended family. Hi, we're Doctors Larry and Carol Snap. We're glad to have you with us today. Families, week three of 12. Celebrate your differences. And I like to call it who's normal is normal. Um, so, th- this class is going to deal a lot with just our own personal identities, but how do we put two very different identities together to be one flesh? So, that's kind of what we're looking at today. Psalm 134.9, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So we start off with that. We understand, you know, there's other scriptures that go along with that. But, you know, God said, I knew you in your mother's womb. So even before you were born, I knew you, right? God knows us. He made us in his image. And I like to start with this because we really need to understand who we are. Who we are, who we belong to, more so than what we are. I mean, yeah. Part of this whole normal thing is, you know, your, your life history creates your normal. So everything that you were taught as a kid, you know, by your parents, everything you learned in school, everything you learned on a job, just... Life and life experience gives you some idea of what normal is to you, right? May not be normal to anybody else, but to you, that's that just that's the way the world works. So that's kind of normal. But if if we understand we are made in God's image, and we we talked about that in the very beginning of the class, you know. God made us in his image, and he wanted us to multiply his image throughout the world and uh, make him known everywhere. That was why he put us here. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? No two people are alike. Even identical twins are not 100% identical. I have... uh, well, had two aunts that were twins, but they weren't anything alike. One of them had a set of twins that were identical twins. And for years, I never could tell them apart because I didn't see them that often. But now there's enough differences that it would be fairly simple to tell them apart. Now... She had a son and then a set of twins. The son has had 
a set of twins. All right, so I mean, there's just that one leg of the tree there, that one branch. There's a bunch of twins in that branch. But even then, no two are exactly alike. Uh, uh, some family down in Tucson, they used to would paint their toenails different colors or something like that. Yeah. Because they really couldn't tell the difference yeah, when they were babies. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're that little, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Once they get older, there's usually significant differences. And there's, what, almost 7 billion people on the planet? And some change. And some change? No two are alike. And, that, and that's how many people are on here now. And you figure all the people that have ever existed before that. No two have ever been exactly the same. So we have to understand there is nobody like us. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're created in the image of God. And uh, we are beautiful, valuable, unique, and loved. We need to know that. The true enemy, Satan, wants us to fear that which is different. He wants to destroy us. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy anything that God created, and especially if he created it in his image. He hates it. So uh, make sure that you end up, hopefully by the end of the class, you have a pretty good idea of who you are in Christ. And that's how you identify with Christ. You don't identify with your past. I mean, we don't know what our future is going to bring. We just know God's, you know, we're created in God's image. He has a future and a hope for us. Our past is the past. Can't change it. Can't fix it. God always takes us from where we're at right this minute. And then he cleans us up from there. You know, a lot of us want to clean ourselves up a little bit before we come to God, you know, because we're so bad, so filthy. He wouldn't take me. But that's not how he works. That's what grace is all about. So, again, your life history creates your normal, or what seems right. It's what you know. It's what most people are comfortable with. Uh, You know, a lot of people have not had a very good childhood abuse only one parent uh you know just a lot of dysfunction and everything so it's it's not a real healthy experience so their normal is kind of messed up but that's their normal they don't i mean you know i grew up in ohio i didn't know any better until i came to phoenix oh there's something better right (laughs) ohio's a great place to be from So, all your life experience creates this normal that we're talking about, but when you look at, like, two people getting married, and this is blended families, so most likely this is not a first marriage situation, but even a first marriage is a blending of two families, and then you got in-laws, right? You got all all that baggage you got to deal with. You have to figure out how to set those boundaries. You know, we talked in the first week about the pyramid and everything. So when you get married, your marriage has to come first. 
before the in-laws. Because if it doesn't, the in-laws will mess you up. God said so. You know, especially for the, the husband to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife because he knew even before there were in-laws that there would be in-law problems. So you have a history. Your current spouse or future spouse has one too. The trick here is what do you do with those when you try to put it all together? Karen. Um, just, just commenting about saying the in-laws and sometimes that conflict. I mean, that's why it's so important for us to understand that we're stewards of our children rather than owners. Right. Because there is that history with you with your parents. Mm -hmm. and sometimes there's a, a way to, you know, trump, well, I've been knowing you longer. But the, the, <laughs> the, the couple needs to learn to know each other better and become one. Yeah. So that, is that hard because it's that loyalty, that conflict? Well, it's, it's that mentality, yeah. right? The ownership mentality, mm -hmm. that attitude that tends to destroy the marriage relationship because, the, the, you know, like in the pyramid, the kids come before the spouse, right? So that tends to mess everything up. But, uh, yeah. When, when you think you own your kids, you're looking for trouble. Uh, God gives them to us. We're supposed to be good stewards of his kids and then at some point give them back and then they have to answer to God for their choices, right? Also, pridefulness uh, in thinking that my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way mm -hmm. um, just because my normal is different than your normal does not mean your normal has to be right. Yeah. As we say, when we get together with a, a new relationship and we're even talking about marriage, we're going to talk and discuss what our new normal is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, take the best of your normal and the best of her normal and come together and decide what is going to be our new normal. It has to be that way. And um, I'm not sure if we told about the carrot chopping in yeah, this not class yet. or not, but that's uh, a good example of you're going to do it my way. Yeah. Well... I'm the expert. Yeah, right. <laughs> so my way is the right way. Right. Now, some people that would fly. Yeah. And just like Carol was saying, different is not about right and wrong. It's just different. Right? I like to ask, you know, like we don't have any, well, there's pieces of fruit, but <laughs> say an apple and an orange. And I ask the question, which one is right? Well, it's, it's not the right question, you know. It's which one would you like, right? But it's not about right and wrong. They're just two different kinds of fruit, right? And that's like us as people. We're just two different people. Just because I'm, I'm the guy, she's the woman, doesn't make me right hardly ever. But, you know, <laughs> I might get lucky once in a while. But, uh, and, and like Carol said, it's a pride issue. Talk about the carrots. Yeah. And the example that we use here, especially with this one, is, uh, you know, there was this chef, right? So he's the expert in the kitchen. 
And his wife was trying to do some stuff. And you know how, you know, like professional chefs, they're really good about slicing stuff. I mean, they go, and they're just fast. It's wonder they don't cut their fingers off. But somehow they know how to do it, and they just, and they're done. Well, she was really struggling trying to cut carrots and stuff. And he, he it was driving him nuts because it was taking her forever, right? And he, he couldn't stand it any longer. He said, come here, let me show you how to do this. So he takes the knife and he shows her kind of like in slow motion at first and then everything. Well, come to find out, part of the problem was he was right-handed, she was left-handed. So she was trying to, he wanted her to do it right-handed because that's how His he did way. it. Right? Yeah. That was the correct way. Yeah. His yeah. way. But she was left-handed, so to her, the right hand was not the best option. Right? So... Part of this celebrate your differences thing is taking the time, and that's what the covenant mentality is all about, taking the time to figure some of these things out, right? Instead of, well, you're just doing it wrong, to how do you do that? Well, let me see how you do it. Well, maybe that's a better way, you know, like Carol was saying. And, you know, when you when you have this life history that creates your normal and then you try to hook up with somebody that's got a totally different normal. It might be from a different country, different culture, different age brackets, all these different things. They may have kids, you know, been a single parent for a while, all those kind of things. Well, that's their normal. That's what they're used to. And, they, and then you're trying to put all this stuff together. It's, it's no wonder things don't work. But like Carol was saying, it's, it's not about right and wrong. It's discovering what all the gifts are. You've got gifts. They've got gifts. Everybody has something. Some have more than others, but everybody has something. So figure out what you're good at, and when God brings somebody into your life, they will compliment you, not tell you how great you are but they will make up for where you're lacking, they'll usually be stronger in some areas. All right? That's what makes a team. Yeah. And makes you one whole person. That's right. Well, you're, you're, you're much stronger as a team than any one individual. So the, the sum is greater than the parts. Right? But what needs to happen here is... Whatever your normal is, now that we're Christians, right, however long ago that was, or even if it was just yesterday, your normal needs to become more Christ-like. So that's the goal, to become, like in the, in the pyramid, the whole idea of the pyramid, it's as you become closer to Christ, you get closer together as a couple, Right? So as you're learning about each other and you're learning how to become more Christ-like, now this whole marriage thing is pretty awesome. You know, your spouse is not a pain in the butt. Always. <laughs> Sometimes they are, but... Yeah, it's just like you, you, you have a different normal, but then when there's kids involved, them differently, mm -hmm. right? Because they're different persons. And they so got normals too. 
they got normals too. Right. And so some are more receptive to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then others aren't. But yeah. You know, you try to show them Christ in your own way. Mm -hmm. It can kind of play both sides against the middle. Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, that right there is why it's so important to have the marriage right. before the kids. Because that gives you this. Right? If they're in here, then you're mostly doing this. But if you're, if God's there, and then you guys, and then them, now you're united, you're one, and you're in agreement, and it's that agreement that you have as a couple that gives you the power and authority to be the parents. Right? And they will see that, and that's what, what our yeah. job is, to show them what a good godly marriage is. Now, they'll resist that, you know, especially in the beginning. You know, you got to fight through some of that stuff. But the only time you really lose is when you give up. So. And when you're new into a blended family, it's hard to just come right in and demand. You shouldn't demand it anyway. Respect. You have to earn it. And you have to give them respect to get their respect. You have to reach out to them first. Like and when uh, in our marriage, Larry didn't um, tell the kids, you know, you got to do this, 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 and this. He went down to their level. What do you guys like to, to do? And he, uh, he and my son would go out and play guitar in the, guitar, in the music store. They'd go play basketball and stuff. Um, you know, come to their level and said, hey, we're going to go do this. He didn't say that. One of the things we sort of did right by accident, because we, I mean, we didn't do any kind of spiritual anything for 23 years, okay? But one of the things we did, according to Scripture, was Ephesians 5.33. Carol showed me respect, even though I'm the new guy in the, in the existing family, I'm the new guy. But I'm the husband now. And she showed me respect whenever the kids would go to her, because they always went to her first, she would say, well, let me check with Larry. And then I would say yes, right? <laughs> Hardly ever said no. But she was showing me respect, uh, even though I'm brand new in this thing. And, you know, I was loving her, doing my best to love the kids, which when they're 17 and 15, that's not always easy. <laughs> Four years old, yeah, not a problem. But, you know, we had those kind of things. And like Carol said, I, I felt like, okay, I'm the new guy. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to just come in here and be the, the evil king and make rules and regulations and set boundaries right off the bat. I have to earn this, right? So you know, one of the first things we did was just sit down and make goals for the year. Everybody. Yeah, yeah with everybody, yeah. you know. We had some for us. We had the kids all do something for themselves. And, you know, back then it was before the Internet and everything, so you cut pictures out of catalogs or, you know, things you got in the mail. And then you'd stick them on the fridge. So that was your goal, right? You had short-term, medium-term, long-term, family things, and all that kind of stuff. And when people have something to work towards, it keeps them less focused on all the crap. So that really helped a lot, it did. especially that first year. Yeah, right? the kids had never, and I'd never had that. 
And, you know, we were meeting the goals. Yeah. So that was more respect that I was earning by getting us to where we thought we were going to get to, right? And um, the last family goal, um, now this was, and we got married December 21st. So when we made the goals, it was December, well, it was during um, New Year's. Oh, the Christmas New Year break. Yeah. And um, August, uh, Larry and I came home uh, from an Amway meeting. We used to be, have, a, have a pretty good-sized Amway group. And we told our son, there's something out in the driveway that you need to go see. And he went out and looked at it, and it was a new car for, for me. Because my car would be one you'd stop at a stoplight or um, stop sign, and the front bumper might fall off. <laughs> or you get out of it, and you shut it off, and it's still going, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So we needed a new car for me. And so Larry and I uh, had gone out and got a really good deal on a, a, a new, well, a used car, but it, was, it only it was had a like year old. 1,600 miles on it, so to me it was brand new. And Moral was 15, I believe, at mm. that time. He well, he, he would have just turned 16. No, it was before he turned 16. It was 15. Uh, anyway, he went, what do out, I know? he went out in the backyard and saw this car and he came back in. Now, he was real skeptical of being um, friendly. Um, I don't want to say a whole lot here, but a lot of you know um, my kids were abused by my ex-husband. And so it took a lot for my son to even reach out to another man to try to trust again. But when he came in and saw that car in that yard, he came in and gave Larry a hug. And he says, you did it. You did everything you said you were going to do for us. And it's just August. What are we going to do the rest of the year? He was super excited. It's a 15-year-old boy. We, we just couldn't believe it. It's awesome. Yeah. That worked out pretty well. It, you know, things change over time, but that part was good. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everybody get that? You're special, right? You're unique, you're loved, you're valuable, you know, all those things. You're beautiful. God made you in his image. How, I mean, how good is that, right? <clears throat> Satan wants you to think you're ugly, not worth anything, not special, not loved. He's against all those things. So whenever you're having those kind of thoughts, you just have to know, as, especially as a Christian, you have to know the enemy is out there trying to destroy you. You have to get life is spiritual warfare. That helps tremendously in getting through the ugly stuff. Because <laughs> there will be some. <clears throat> you just know that, okay, Satan, get behind me. All right? You know it's him. It's not your spouse. It's not your family. It's not your boss at work trying to destroy you. It's Satan trying to mess you up. Okay. Difference not about right and wrong. Like Carol said, it's a pride issue. It is an opportunity to exercise grace. That's what marriage creates. All these opportunities to prove that God's word works. 
right? So you exercise grace. You're not afraid of what's different. You're exercising grace with the uh, intention of gaining more knowledge and wisdom about your spouse. You know, that's what the covenant thing does for you. It gives you that time. You know, whenever there's a trial or tribulation, you know, it's okay. It's temporary. We'll get through this. <clears throat> 20 years from now, we'll be laughing about it in the rocking chair on the porch. But the time is what gives you that ability to know more about your spouse and figure out what they're good at. What do they like? What don't they like? You know, all those kind of things. <clears throat> and you know, like we said, the true enemy, okay, not your spouse, not your family, Satan wants you to fear that which appears to be different. You know, that's why, you know, I mean, we've got all kind of different races, different nationalities, different cultures, all this kind of stuff. And then most of the time, and then, you know, different languages. When you're in a different country with a different language, it's very hard to communicate mm -hmm. if you don't know the language. Right. So there's this fear factor that kind of plays into all this that you, you feel kind of afraid when you're in a strange place just because you don't know anything. You can't talk to anybody. <clears throat> you don't know how things work. Well, it's like... Um a different kind of scenario, but more or less the same thing. When we went to England and did a marriage conference, and some people know the story, we thought we were going to be part of the marriage conference. We ended up being the marriage conference for like four days. And yeah. even on the breaks, they had us in a conference room counseling the couples that needed. We didn't have a break. Yeah. But it was kind of fun. But the music, we hadn't even thought about that. You know, we know our own music and our own country. We were over there doing uh, the marriage conference for people from Ghana, Africa, mm -hmm. and some from Uganda. And we got up to do the worship music, and it's all different. And how do you, you know, sometimes if you don't know the words, you can mouth to it a little bit. You can't mouth to that. You don't know what's coming. <laughs> and you're kind of smiling because you're there in somebody else's church and surrounding them thinking, oh, my God, we hadn't even thought of that part. You know, how do you do that? That was very strange. Yeah. So a lot of that kind of stuff, though, really goes to, you know, the scripture tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So as you become, or as your normal becomes more Christ-like, now your, your thinking is different. You're more positive about things. And when you come across something that's different, you're more positive about, oh, well, that's different. Let me learn about that. Not, oh, that's not like me. I'm afraid of that. That's bad. Right? It's, it's in here. How do you look at it? You got your Jesus glasses on? Mm -hmm. Or are you just looking through your normal, normal eyes? Your fleshy eyes. So as, as we go through all this and we just, everything we see is a difference of some sort. Right? There's just so much. Oh, like it says here, we're all created in his image, but 
God wants us to see his awesome creativity. Yeah, Satan wants us to be afraid of that creativity. So it's a different, how do you look at it? Is it, are you looking at it with your Jesus glasses and you just see everything is created by God? So it is good. Now, Satan has messed it up to some extent, but how do you look at it? What kind of eyes are you using to look at what's out there? So it, it, do you tend to see the negative in things because that doesn't fit your normal? That's different, so that's bad, that's negative, I don't like it. Or, wow, that's cool. How, what, is there anything in that that I can use? How do you, how do you look at that stuff? Um, so because of all these differences that we have and our normals being different, and, <laughs> you know, whose normal is normal, really? We're all different, right? So what is normal? Well, like I said, we're supposed to be, try to become more like Christ. <laughs> that's, that's the guy, that's the... The bullseye, Jesus. Communication, always a big deal when it's trying to figure out how to put two people together, right? All these differences. How do you communicate? You know, it's like different languages. Somehow you have to come to some sort of place where you can at least express ideas, maybe not words, but ideas, uh, <laughs> draw pictures or something. But when you're trying to communicate, especially with a spouse, the mistake that most of us make is we're just, we're not listening, we're just waiting for somebody to stop talking. Have your lips stopped yet? Because I have something to say. I'm not listening to you. I have something to say, and I'm going to wait till you stop, if you're lucky, before I say what I'm going to say. But if you listen to learn, right, you're taking that time to get to know your spouse, figure out what they're good at, all those kind of things. Listen to learn. Now, we have a whole other lesson on responding versus reacting. So if you're listening to learn, you're going to take the time to take those thoughts captive and take into consideration what you are planning to say you're going to take into consideration how the other person is going to hear it, right? If you're reacting, it's an emotional reflex. And if whatever you think you heard sounded bad or negative or, or whatever, you're going to react with some negative thing without thinking. So you're not taking that thought captive. Well, that's why we ask people a lot of times... Well, let's just back up here. What I think I heard you say was, and then repeat it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we've heard it wrong because we're so intent about what we're going to come back at. We haven't really heard the words. Gives the other person the time to correct how it was received. Oh, well, if that's what you heard, that's not what I meant. Right. That can save a big argument, right? Yeah. Uh this would be a great place for Wayne and Deanna to be yeah, here. Yeah, they did that really well. They, they have this big experience in that area. She's Italian. Yeah. And he's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she speaks great English. Yeah. 
but her native language was Italian. So she kind of thinks in Italian. And when he's talking English, I mean, she understands the words, but when she's processing it in Italian, sometimes it doesn't equal what he intended to say. So in the beginning, they had some issues trying to figure some of this out. So what they came to was, you know, if, if she said something and he'd like, no, that's not what I, or she'd like be upset with something he said. He's, well, that, there was nothing I said that was intending to be offensive or anything here. What's, what, what did you hear me say? Yeah. And then she would explain it, you know, as, as she understood it. And it was like, um, no, that really wasn't what I was trying to say. So let me try again, right? When you go through that kind of a process, you know, you, when you realize that the other person is not really getting it, you can tell, usually. One of the best approaches is it allows both parties to kind of save face, right? So it's not like, well, you're an idiot. You don't get what I'm saying. That's not good. But if you say, okay, so what did you hear me say? And then they repeat, you know, what they think they heard. And then you say, well, that's not exactly what I was trying to communicate. Let me try again. So they're not, I mean, they're letting you know they didn't get it, but in a nicer way. And now you're accepting that, well, they just didn't understand. So now it's your opportunity to say it in a different way without getting all upset because they didn't hear you right. Right. So listen to learn. It, it's like, you know, with politicians, how do you know a politician's lying? Their lips are moving. Right. Listen to learn and then respond, don't react. And one of the things I had to learn was just to be able to listen without processing everything, trying to come up with a solution to whatever this problem was. Sometimes I just needed to listen and that's all that needed to happen. You know, especially for guys. It's so, because our, our tendency is to just want to go fix something, you know. Oh, you got a problem? Let me go fix it. Make it go away. Boom. But for the ladies, there's something on their mind. They want to let you know what it is. But there's really nothing to fix. They just want you to know what it is. Because once they tell you, that kind of fixes it. It's like, okay, well, I got it off my chest. Now I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> so you, you just have to learn to just kind of sit there and listen. But the point is to validate the emotions attached to whatever that is. You know, here's how I'm feeling about this. You know, oh, okay. Not, well, that's stupid. Why do you feel that way? Right? That's, <laughs> that's not going to fly. No, it won't. So it's like, wow, I didn't know you felt that way. Whatever it is. <laughs> I didn't know you felt that way. And then you allow her to talk more about how she feels, on and on and on. And then eventually it's like, so where do you want to go from here? It's like you got two things to say. Well, I didn't know you felt that way. And then after a while, then it's like, where do you want to go from here? That's all you got to say. But allow her to fill in the blanks. <laughs> so... Um, 
Let's see here. Also with communication, make sure you're going along with uh, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Speak life into your marriage, not death. So many times it's, it's our tongue that gets us in trouble. You know, we, we get in the flesh, we say things that we shouldn't say, and then we're sorry, and then we have to go through the forgiveness thing, and all that. <laughs> right? So, if you think and take every thought captive, and you think about what it is you're going to say, there's a whole lot better chance it's going to be the right thing. So then there's a lot less spiritual baggage and warfare that you end up going through. If you take a little bit of time, think about it. Do I really want to say that? And if I do, how are they going to hear it? Right. The timing is very important. Timing is yeah. everything. This may not be the time to say what you really think you should say. There yeah. will be a better time later. If you feel like you've got to say something right this second, it's probably bad. Because it's a flesh, it's a feeling, you know, it's an emotional thing you're dealing with and you just want to, well, more than likely, like 90 something percent of the time, it's going to be a bad thing. You might get lucky once in a while and it not be so bad. And there are usually just two types of marriages. Do you remember what are those? Are? <laughs> no. Well, there's one made in heaven and one made in hell. That's right. Which one do you And want? you get the one you make. Yep, that's right. You choose it. It's your doing. So listen to learn. Listen to respond. Don't freak out. <laughs> How's that thing? Be calm and do something. Right? <laughs> Keep calm and, and there's a bunch of other things that it says after that, but pick one. Stay calm. Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, staying calm. Because God's got this. Why are we freaking out? If God is first, and we know he's in control, why are we freaking out? Well, if we're freaking out, it's because it's not going the way we want it to. And if it's, not, if it's going that way, then we're, we're the ones that are in charge. So that's one reason to freak out, I guess. Um, give up your right to be offended. Part of this whole communication thing is not... Speaking death, but speaking life. Don't say anything that is going to be hurtful. Because that's, you know, if, as, as Christ said, if, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So if we really love God, if we love Jesus, we're not going to say anything, especially our spouse, that's going to hurt him. I mean, that's like hurting yourself. It's like shooting yourself in the foot, right? They're part of you. They're, you're one. So anything you say and do against your spouse is against yourself. Give up your right to be offended. Think of Jesus on the cross. He's on there. He's dying. Never did anything wrong. But he, was, he understood the big picture. And he's, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To me, that's just like the best thing ever to say to yourself when somebody is being the idiot, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. <laughs> and 
Be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. I was a peacekeeper for 20-some years, just trying to avoid the conflict. Well, most guys can do that up to a point. But, you know, there's when that cup gets full, then it just runs over and it spills onto everything else. And it just kind of, it blows up. And I was able to do that for about 23 years. And then I got selfish and stupid, made some big mistakes. And then I started learning more about this kind of thing. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. You know, a peacekeeper is like a truce, like the Middle East peace treaty, right? That's trying to keep the peace. It's not making any peace. It's not resolving anything. These conflicts have been there for thousands of years. I mean, it's not like they're going to fix them tomorrow. But the peacekeeper is basically just trying to keep each side from <laughs> shooting at each other. And it works for a while, but sooner or later, somebody's gun's going to go off, and then it's all hell breaking loose. If you're a peacemaker, that's the hard part, because now you have to confront what's really going on. What's the real problem? You know, last week, we were talking about root causes. You know, you got to get to what the real problem is and approach it. You know, truth and love, right? You got to allow people to make their statements, but it's like this up here, listen to learn and then respond. Don't just react. And if you're looking at, um, well, I guess I could do this. So you got like this grid, you got the, this is minus, this is minus, this is plus, this is plus. And, and then the way Jesus does it is this. This is win, withdraw, avoid, All right? Okay, so somebody like me that tries to avoid conflict is trying to keep the relationship intact. Okay. So what I'm doing, it's positive towards the relationship. And this, this is, you know, resolving the conflict is this way. So it, it's, it's negative as far as resolving anything. It doesn't fix anything. All it is doing is trying to keep the relationship intact. But it kind of goes to this one, which is the win, so you're basically the person that is allowing the other party to win at whatever just so there's no conflict, okay? Somebody that has to win, you get into an argument and one party has to win. Well, they're going to do everything they can to win, which, at least for the time being, resolves the issue, <laughs> but at the expense of the relationship. This one is the worst because it's the negative and the negative. Somebody that gets in, it's like usually they're the ones that start something and then they just walk off. You're like trying to deal with it and then they just, well, you're going to do what you're going to do and just walk off. Actually, leave. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Yep. Right? So that doesn't help anything. 
It doesn't resolve anything because you just walked away. And the other, it's, it's really kind of disrespectful. So it's hurting the relationship. But if we deal with it from a, a perspective of truth and love, like Jesus would, he deals with the actual problem. And because it's truth and love, you keep the relationship intact and it resolves the conflict. And the peacekeeper is kind of you know, like in here. You just, you don't really do much of anything. You just stop shooting <laughs> for now. But who knows how long it'll last because you didn't fix anything, All right? Um, let's see, what else we got? Uh, yeah, be, uh, be quick to forgive. A good marriage is two good forgivers. If you have a tendency to hang on to a grudge, that's not good. Uh, what, how's that thing go? If, if you're holding a grudge against someone, you're basically allowing them to live in your head rent-free. They're taking up space in your head, and they don't know it. They're not paying anything to live there, but it's, it's messing you up. So you're the one that's paying the price for them being in your head all the time. So let it go. Let it go. Mm. Yeah, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's kind of what we're doing here. It's because... You know, we have love for one another, that we try to speak truth into the people we care about. Because truth is what sets us free. But sometimes, you know, like when iron strikes iron, two swords, whatever, sparks fly. Sparks cause fires <laughs> sometimes. Right? So you just have to be careful, you know. You can get into a sword fight. But there's no truth and love in there, and then there's something that's going to happen that's bad. <laughs> but if you're speaking truth and love, it's because you're speaking truth in love that the Word of God never fails. So, all right. Any comments, questions? You got anything else? No? Nope. You're good? No grudges. <laughs> yeah. I really like that uh, saying speak truth and love. A lot of times we can speak truth because if you don't speak it in love, the message isn't going to be well. It's not going to be received very well. Exactly. It's, you're only going to get a negative. Well, if you're speaking truth without the love, basically it's, you know, two trash can lids. It's just, it's a gong, it's a clanging. Right? It's just a bunch of noise, and nobody hears anything. But they get very annoyed <laughs> because they're, they're not feeling the love, so they're feeling attacked, mostly. Right? I know when we were going through our four months of hell, I would hear, what are you doing? But it would be, what are you doing? You know? And just hearing it would up go the, the, uh, the shield. Right? It immediately, just the tone of voice would put me into a self-defense posture. And when I'm trying to defend myself, you know, I'm making up stuff, 
you know, trying to deny things, you know. I, I, I don't care what you're saying. I'm just trying to protect myself, you know. So when, but that's not having the love, right? And, and sometimes it's just the tone of voice. You know, it's not so much what was said, it's how it was said that makes a huge difference. So, and that's another big thing on communication. It's, there's, and, and I think we mentioned it last week. It was like, you know, Carol had this tendency to say, just, you know, just off the top of her head, you need to do something. Take the trash out, do the, put your clothes away or whatever it was. And I'm like, what are you telling me I have to do something for? You know, now if she would have said, would you please do the same thing. It was a totally different thing. So that word is not allowed in our house anymore. <laughs> well, it's, you know, we have, especially after we learned a bunch of this stuff from the, the marriage classes here, you know, it's the whole love and respect and this and, you know, it was, you know, it just, it was much more respectful sounding mm-hmm. to, to be asked politely, you know, to do something than to be told to do something. So, and that's not how I meant that. Well, I that's, know that, but that's how you were That's how it, it. See, what was intended versus what was perceived is not always the same thing. Yeah. And that's where we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So listen to learn. You know, here, okay, I'm not real comfortable with what I think I heard. Did you just say blah, 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 right? No, that's not what I said. And then, so then now there's an opportunity to say it again in a different way or a nicer way or whatever. Oh, okay, no problem. Totally different than just bam, you know. And then, then somebody feels bad about, uh, you know, sneak off and do whatever it is they were told to do, you know. So communication is speaking life, not death. It's listening to learn. It's responding because you're taking every thought captive. It's not reacting out of how you feel. Emotions are not a bad thing, you know. And when we counsel, a lot of times we tell people to speak to each other tender and gentle. (laughs) Tender and gentle. Tender and gentle. Yeah. And then sometimes they keep throwing that back at us. I mean, they're talking to each other, but it's funny because... That's what's stuck. <laughs> Tender and gentle. Right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, anything else? Any comments, questions? I want to add um, something to the, the parent issue that I brought up. Mm-hmm. It's not that parents are not important. But it's kind of like what my mom said. We become advisors instead of trying to tell our children what to do. Oh, right. We wait for them to ask Wisdom, they have gone down the road. Yeah, they have the experience. Well, part of that, you know, like we say over here, it's the stewards. Mm-hmm. But then that, when you give the kids back to God, now that relationship is not parent-child, mm-hmm. right? It's two adults, yeah. right. because you almost have to go through this process in your head where, okay, God. Here's my kid that you gave me, right? They're yours. Now you're an adult, and they're an adult. And you don't tell them what to do. 
you advise. But they have to be responsible for adhering to your advice or not. Yeah. But it's their, it's their problem. It's their decision. Yeah. And their life and their consequences. <laughs> and that's where parents... Like said, they have to answer to God. Yeah. Parents really struggle with that, though. You know, because it's their baby. Yes. You know, they're 50 years old. It's still their baby. You wipe their yeah. Yeah. Right. They owe you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> they owe you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the normal, you know, your life history creates your normal, I, I know that, like, if you come from chaos and violence mm-hmm. and nasty right. and mean, that's going to be normal. Your new spouse or somebody tries to use, you know, you can handle that kind of dialogue because that's all you know, mm-hmm. but then when they hit you with something really uh, general and kind of yeah, you don't know what to do with it. Right. Exactly. It's odd. Right. It's weird. It's not normal. It's not normal. Yeah. That's kind of how Larry and I were because my folks were very abusive to one another. My dad was an alcoholic. He ran around on my mom all the time. They argued from the minute they got out of bed till the minute they fall asleep. I had it made. Not me. I was a middle child, and I was the one that, I was the worker. My, my sister um, was um, younger, of course, and she was born with a, a birth defect, so um, she had a lot of challenges, and I would try to protect her a lot of times, so I'd do things that I knew she couldn't do. And then my brother was older, and he got out of the house as soon as he could, joined the Navy at 17. Uh, which 18, you, you're supposed to go in, but my mother had to sign for him to go in. But uh, I was the one that did everything, and yet my father picked on me all the time. And I was the only one that really graduated from high school, had great grades and everything, and yet he, he'd always be after me. Because you were a show-off. So, in uh, his eyes. And then right? Larry so laid back and everything, and of course I had bad marriages before. And then, um, God, this is awesome. You gave me this awesome guy. It was a big adjustment. A big adjustment. You mean I don't have to worry about this, that, whatever, but you kind of have to, okay, God, this is what you put in front of me. She's going to have to show me how to work this. How is it going to be? And for 23 years, we sailed along. And then things blew up. It's amazing how much spiritual warfare you don't get when you're lost. Yeah, Satan doesn't have to mess with you. Yeah, you're already in his boat, so why should he rock it, right? And Karen, well, I just going to say, you know, you guys were, you know, going 23 years of sailing along, um, and God, you know, He didn't, He didn't, that He doesn't use that tool, but He turned it for good. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, it was, you know, that temptation that I fell into that created the problem. And then four months of hell, I like to say two months of purgatory, and then we were mostly okay. But then it was like, wow, you know, God has a plan. He's got a way that this thing works. You know, there's a right way to do stuff. When we went for Christian help, because we yeah. And it, and then you figure out, wow, there's there's a right way to do this, you know. And when you do it that way, it works really good, <laughs> you know. It's it's when you think you know what's going on that you mess up. But yeah, it's and we've said it many times, you know, the the whole ministry thing was never even on the radar. But that's what God does. He'll take a mess and clean you up. And make a message out of it, you know, the test to a testimony, you know, those kind of things. And it's, it's amazing, you know, and all we did was just kind of walk through a couple of doors that opened up here and there. And it's like, wow, look what's on that side, you know, and the rooms kept getting bigger. <laughs> so. But no matter how big the mess is, you got to know it's just temporary. It's just temporary. And you have to remember, too, that God's got our lives already written out. No matter what we do or try to do, try to rearrange it, it may take longer. And he's up there saying, okay, well, they turned right. I wanted them to go straight. Okay, fine, let them go. <laughs> Sooner or later, they're going to come back. There's no worrying. He's already got it written out. And that's hard to really get in your head to know why stress about it. He's going to work you through it. That's the hard part. No matter what you're going through, you got to know God has a way of working it out. i got to yep. sit back and be patient and let him do it. And let him do it in his timing, not mine. And that's hard for me. <laughs> I'm impatient. Larry's the patient one. Yeah. Have you all seen that cartoon, The Two Vultures on a Branch? <laughs> Patience, hell, I'm going to kill something. <laughs> you know, that's her. <laughs> All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for this ministry. We thank you for everyone that's here. We just pray a blessing over everyone and their families. And even the ones that weren't able to come today, we just lift them up. The and, uh, yeah, and the ones out there in Facebook land. And even on the podcasts, which we just want to give a shout out to ChristianLivingRadio.com and thank them for all the work they do to get the podcasts out there for people to hear. So, Lord, we give you the honor and glory for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for joining the Blended Families Ministry Program today. This ministry was created to help blended families learn how to use biblical tools that will help you thrive. We are Drs. Larry and Carol Snap, and we invite you to listen to our weekly shows here on ChristianLivingRadio.com and to visit our website, BlendedFamiliesMinistry.org, to learn more about the ministry and all that we do. Thank you, and God bless. Christian Living, Christian Living, Christian Living Radio, it's a lifestyle. Christian living, Christian living. Christian Living Radio, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ 24-7. Our goal is to bring you a life-changing word 
through music and diverse programming like the one you're listening to now. Pastor Kenyatta Goins is the visionary of Christian Living Radio, and he's dedicated to the idea that Christians should even have a more prominent presence in the marketplaces. Maybe you need prayer for yourself and or your family. Maybe for a friend. We'd be privileged to stand in the gap for you. If you're listening to this broadcast, click on the Contact Us tab and send us your prayer request. We'd also like to hear from you if you have something on your mind or just give us some feedback. We support many ministries, so maybe you'd like to make a one-time or a monthly recurring donation. We believe that when you sow into these ministries, you'll indeed be blessed. And of course, if you sow into this show in particular, we believe that it's a blessing for you, so please consider sponsoring us. There's a special area under the Donate tab where you can send your monetary gift or call 520-812-6363. That's 520-812-6363 to receive more information about sponsorship. Thank you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.